Amen. May the name of the Lord be praised. We can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We are in prayer and fasting. And we are about to get into the third week. It has been a journey, right? Hallelujah. Um, but then one can ask that, why are we fasting? What are we fasting for? Are we fasting to seek the face of God? Are we fasting to get to know the Lord? I think these are important questions, right? Why are we fasting? What is it that we are fasting for? Um, Sister Rivotile last week when she was anchoring, she spoke about that what is it that we seek? Are we seeking the hand of God or we are seeking the face of God? Many of us have got New Year's resolutions, but I just want to ask us as children of God, that what are our desires for the year? If I may ask, well, you don't have to raise up your hand. You can raise it in your heart. How many of us this year have prayed and said, God, this year I want to know you more? How many of us have been praying and said, God, this year I want to learn to pray more? I want to study the word of God more. I want to see a change in my life in my spiritual walk. And how many of us have been praying, God, the only thing that we pray for, I'm not saying this we should not pray for, God, I need a job, God, I need a car, God, I need marriage, you know, God, I need this, God, I need that. What I'm asking is, how many of us, I'm also asking myself, how many of us are in this prayer to know God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The theme of the message is the year to seek the Lord. The year to seek the Lord. When we read in Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, it says, I said, plant the good seed of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Blow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. Let us plow up the hard ground of our hearts. Hallelujah. That heart that is resistant to the word of God. That heart that is just satisfied, you know, with just coming to church, you know, you go home, you feel good. I feel good that I was at church. They saw me, but then you find that there is no change in my life. The Bible says, for now is the time to seek the Lord. People's church, now is the time to seek the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, um, there is a difference between a person who loves you, who cares for you, who enjoys your company, and how do you see that? You see, you know, when that person checks up on you, right? They want to spend time with you. You know, they want to know how you are doing. And then there is a person who will only come to you when they want something from you. We do know those people, right? 
when it is about to be month end, a day before or on the day of pay, you get a message that says hi. And you know that this one, he or she wants something. They will never check up on you. But come pay day, hi. Are we not like that with God? When things are going wrong, we say, hello, Jesus. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God and he will forgive generously. The Bible says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let us seek the Lord while we still have a chance to seek him. Let us call upon the Lord while he is still near. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes we think we have all the time in the world for us to get to be serious about the things of God. The time is now. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. And unfortunately, when you get to the other side, I don't know whether to say the other side of life or the other side of death, there is no more time to seek the Lord. Hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12 to 13 said, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God wants us to seek him. Hallelujah. God wants us to seek him. You know, um, seeking the Lord is a heart issue. Amen. Seeking the Lord is a hard issue. It's not an issue of talk. They say talk is cheap, right? The state of our hearts determines whether we are prepared to seek the Lord or not. Seeking the Lord is not just in word but in action. When we read in Joel chapter 2 verse 13, it says, Rend your heart and not your garments. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Rend your heart and not your garment. You know, sometimes we, we, we tend to look like we are people who are seeking the Lord, whereas we are not. What God looks at, he looks at the heart. Hallelujah. He looks at the heart. Are we rending our hearts or are we rending our garments? You see, you will be surprised that many times, you know, you come to church. You know, when they say it's time to pray, people pray. People roll on the ground. Well, I haven't seen anyone rolling on the ground here. Let me tell you a joke. Somebody once wrote that, you know, if you go to the, you know, the churches maybe at home in the, in the rural areas, People will be, when they are prayed for, they will fall down and roll in the ground. But when you come to town, or you know, people with money, they don't fall and roll. And then he was like, so does it mean that the demons that uh, the, the rich people have, they have pride? <laughs> All right. So what I want to say is, sometimes we cry. You know, 
But you find that our hearts are not changed. Hallelujah. God says, rent your heart, not your garment. Hallelujah. And then when, when we read in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, the Lord says, these people come near me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. God says, yes, I see you are coming, but you are not coming to me with the, your, 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 your heart. You are coming to me with your mouth. You come to church not because you want to meet with me, not because you want to be taught of me, not because you want to learn from me, but you are coming so that we can know grow in people's church we have got 150 members. Or this week, you know, the church was full. Or you are coming to church so that people can know that you are a church goer. But he says, these people, they don't come to me with their hearts. They only come to me with their lips. Hallelujah. You know, I like to say that if, we were to, if a census, you know, is to be conducted, and then we check how many people are Christians, believe you me, almost 80% of South Africans will say they are Christians. But then you check how many people are Christians. Then you'll find that maybe 20%. Christians. Christianity it's not a title. Hallelujah. But Christianity is a lifestyle. Christianity is the belief in Christ. And for you first to become a Christian you have to believe in Christ. And then you live in accordance to the will of God. That's when you are called a Christian. When the name Christian started, Jesus did not um, come up with his name. But when the name Christian started, it's because the people saw that the disciples of Jesus were living a life like Jesus lived. So that's what is a Christian. Amen. John chapter 6 verse 26 says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your feet. So this was after Jesus had multiplied the bread and then later he left with his disciples. And then the crowd was looking for him. They heard when he went to the other side of the lake. And then they got into boats and they followed him. And then when they found him, they said, uh, Master, we had been looking for you. And then he said, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your feet. How many of us we are coming to God, not because we want him, but because we want the things that he can do for us. Like, you know, Sister Ribotile said that, you know, this friend said, I'm just giving God, how many years was it, three years or three months? If he doesn't do it for me, then I'm done with this God. How many of us are here because we want God? Not because we want the things that he can do for us. As a church, it is time to seek the Lord. As Christians, it is time to seek the Lord. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 5, it says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that will make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Here Paul was saying to Timothy that in the last days, you know, he mentioned so many things. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They won't even respect their parents. But then he says, they will act religious. 
yet they will reject the very power that will make them godly. Hallelujah. They will come to church, yet they will reject the very power that will change them. Hallelujah. You know, there is this saying, or they, you know, people outside love to say this, and it is very heartbreaking to listen to such. Where they say, you know what, Christians are the most evil people. And you look at it, and sometimes you will agree that indeed, what, who we say we are and what we portray are two different things. You know, when we are here at church, we are holy, holy, holy. But when we are outside, we are evil, evil, evil. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes you'll be so ashamed. You know, you see this person mistreating people while they are singing gospel songs. And you feel like telling them, can you please keep quiet? You are embarrassing us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is time to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. And when we seek the Lord, we will seek what God says we need to do. We will seek the heart of God. We will seek to please the Lord. God wants our hearts, not our sacrifices. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, I think verse 27 somewhere there. He says, in the last day, or on the last day, some will come and say, Lord, but we prophesied in your name. We preached in your name. We casted out demons in your name. We prayed for the sick and they were healed. Lord, I was ushering a church. Lord, I was in the worship team. Lord, I volunteered, right? Lord, I preached. I attended the Wednesday prayers. Lord, whenever there was a service, I never missed the service. And God said, I do not know you. Because God looks at the heart. The kind of life that we are living is it the life that pleases God? May we not be satisfied with just being called a Christian, but our lives say something else. May we not be satisfied with just being called, you know, a member of people's church, but our lives are not pleasing unto God. Let me tell you, Christians, when we get to church, to heaven, well, yeah, they're not going to ask, which church were you attending? No. Hallelujah. They are not going to want to know how many times did you go to church. But God will look at our works. He will look at how we lived. Let us not be satisfied with just being church members, with just coming to church, with just being called guru. Oh, that powerful man of God. Oh, that prayerful somebody. But you find that our lives are different from what people see us to be. It is time to seek the Lord. May in this year we pray and we cry. We say, God, I want to know you. God, I want to know you better. I want my prayer life to change. I want to pray more. I want to study your word more. And when your word speaks, I want to listen. I want to receive it. I want your word to change me. I want to see a change in my life. I can't remain the same. We have to get to a point where as children of God, we mature. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can't be the same babies. I mean, since you got born again, how, whatever many years ago, but you are still the same. Some of us are coming to church, but we are not born again. Coming to church will never make you saved 
unless if you have made a decision that now I am receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior. There is also this saying that says, packing a car, sleeping in the garage. Thank you, Sister Busi. Sleeping in the garage will never make you a car. It will never. You can sleep in the garage for all your years. You will never turn into a car. Coming to church will never make you born again until you are born again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. In this year, can we put into practice the act of rendering our hearts, not our truths? When we go before God, we go with humility. You know, we go with repentance, we go with submission and say, Lord, help me. Lord, change my heart. I know my weaknesses. You know your weaknesses, right? Go before God and say, Father, this is my life. I am not pleased with it. And I know for sure you are not pleased with it. Lord, change my heart. The psalmist says, let me just quickly go to it because um, I had not uh, given it to blessings. How can I know all the sins lacking in my heart? Cleanse me from this hidden fault. Psalm chapter 19 verse 12. You say, Lord, cleanse me from this hidden fault. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. So they are hidden faults and they are deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us go before the Lord because we want to know him, not because we want something from him. When we read Psalm chapter 51, verse 16 to 17, it says, You do not desire a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want burnt offerings. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. What God wants from us is a broken spirit. He wants our heart. He says, I don't desire a sacrifice. Actually, it, the Bible says, you know, the cattle in the thousand hill belongs to God. There is nothing that we can give to God that he does not have. You know, sometimes, you know, we want to give something to God as if to appease him. We don't appease him like we are, oh, like people appease their ancestors. We don't appease ancestors, right? We're on the same page. Okay. We don't appease God by giving him things that we think will make him happy. What God is pleased in, he's pleased with our hearts. Amen. The second thing is we must be willing to let go of things that are a hindrance. You know, the enemy does not want us to seek God. The devil can never say, oh, wow, oh, you want to seek God? Well, go, my son, go, my daughter. Let it all be well with you. You know, let me give the example of when the Israelites left Egypt. Pharaoh had, you know, he was forced now to let the Israelites go. But after they left, he thought to himself, what did we do? And what did he do? He ran after them. When we decide to seek the Lord, the enemy is not going to sit down and relax and say, oh, okay, 
good riddance. He will come after us. Life will come after us. Situations will come after us. Hallelujah. To want to take us back to the things of the world. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 3 to 4 says, This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. The Bible says, break up your unplowed ground. When, when we have read in Jewel, it also says we need to break up our unplowed ground so that we do not sow among thorns. Hallelujah. And here it says we need to break up our unplowed ground so that we do not sow among thorns. You know, Jesus gave a parable of the story of the, huh? the parable of the sower. And then in this, so in this parable, um, all right, we can go and read it in Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to 8. It says, one day Jesus told the story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Others fell among rocks. It grew, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plant. Still other seeds fell on the fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. There has to be actions. All right. Yeah. Okay. So there has to be actions that show that, show that we are seeking the Lord, right? Jesus said, some of the seeds fell among on the ground, others fell among thorns, others fell among um, the stony ground, and others fell on the fertile ground. I want to talk about the, the thorny ground. And then Luke chapter 8 verse 11 says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. So the seed that uh, Jesus was talking about was what? God's word. And then Luke chapter 8 verse 14 says, The seed that fell amongst the thorn represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. So now we have to get rid of things that are going to choke the word of God in us. Hallelujah. We need to get rid of things that are going to be a hindrance, you know, in our decision to seek the Lord. Now we have decided that we want to seek the Lord, that I want to know the Lord. But then there are things that I need to get rid of. Because unless I do that, you know, the good thing that I'm doing is going to be choked by such things. As the Bible talks that it is, the care, you know, when you care about the, the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. When we read in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, it says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, 
which is corrupted by lust and deception. All right. The Bible says, throw off. Who must throw off? Me. I need to make a decision that I am throwing off, you know, my old sinful nature. And the Bible says, let instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. I have to allow the Spirit to renew me. So it means that this thing is my responsibility, right? I have to throw off. I, I have to get rid of. And I have to allow the Holy Spirit to renew my thoughts. And then it says, put on your new, your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And then Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. You must also get rid of. It is your responsibility. It is my responsibility to get rid of. Let us not embrace sin. Let us not embrace our weaknesses. Hallelujah. And say, oh, now they know me, Velena, I'm very short-tempered. I know they know me, you know, once on Hatadi Khan, I will never forgive you. Hallelujah. Let us not embrace such. You know, someone will say, Awa, oh, now you know me, you, you, you step on me, I will take off my Christianity. Let us not embrace such children of God. Hallelujah. But now when I'm angry, nothing can calm me down. Let us not embrace such. Let us get rid of it. Let us go before the Lord in humility and say, God, I have a problem of anger. Help me, God. Father, I am struggling to forgive. Help me, God. God will not judge you. God will not look at you and laugh and say, hey, look at this one. He will not, he will not come and tell the people, hey, don't see that one like that. That one, she's got temper issues. But when we go before the Lord with humility, he will change us. Let us make it a habit that we go before the Lord in humility. When you have sinned, don't allow yourself to stay in that state. And say, I have sinned, therefore it is done with me. This is where I belong. The prodigal son, yes, he took his father's money. He squandered it. He enjoyed life out there, right? But then when he came back to his senses, he did not say, oh, I have sinned. Let me go kill myself. He did not say, no, you know, I have sinned. Let me just now, I'll just be a hobo. I'll just be a street, you know, kid. He said, let me go back to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you in heaven. And his father welcomed him with open eyes. Child of God, when you have sinned, don't stay in your sin. Don't allow the devil to condemn you. And say, oh, this is who you are, now you can never change. Let us go before the Lord in humility and say, Father, you know me. Here is my heart. Here are my witnesses, God. I am not proud of them. Let us not be proud of our sinful nature. Hallelujah. But let us be repentant before the Lord. Amen. All right. Verse 32 says, Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We seek to live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. 
We seek to live in peace. We seek to live, you know, in peace with each other. Hallelujah. Recently, you know, um, I have come across videos of this other bird. It was my first time to hear of the bird, the cuckoo bird. I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. You can, there is the picture. Let me explain to you what's going on here. So the cuckoo bird, the adult bird, they say cuckoo birds naturally, they, um, they don't have motherly instincts. Like they are unable to take care of their eggs or their chicks. So what a cuckoo bird does, it finds um, a nest where already there are eggs. It takes out one egg and lays its egg there. And usually the eggs are bigger or whatever. Yeah, it lays its egg there. Then the, the bird, the mother of those eggs, like it was not around. You know, as far as she, he or she knew, she had four eggs. She sees four eggs. Or sometimes there will be five, but, you know, not paying attention. And then the egg of the cuckoo bird hatches first. That's how strategic, you know, nature has made them to be. It hatches first. And then when it hatches as small as it is, it starts pushing out the eggs of the other birds. And if the other eggs hatch before it pushes them out, it pushes out the chicks. You know, you should go and, 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 and look at these videos. You will have a love-hate relationship with the cuckoo bird. I was not happy about it. <laughs> it pushes out, and sometimes it will push out the, 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 the baby bird or the chick while the mother is there, and it will remain alone. All right, then we can go to the next one. And this bird, it has got appetite for days. The mother bird will be giving it food. It will not get, you know, um, what do you call satisfied. If you are to look at the picture, which one do you think is the cuckoo bird and which one is the mother bird? The big or the small one? Small one. Well, the big one is actually the cuckoo bird. The, the small one is feeding the big one. So this bird, it grows big. Some of the birds, it is said, they are able to detect that there is a, 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 an egg in my nest that is not mine, and they are able to get rid of it. But most of the birds, they do not. So what does this signify to us as Christians? The enemy will come and plant things in our lives unaware. Jesus once gave an ex, a, a parable of um, a farmer that while they, they planted seeds, right? While they were asleep, the enemy came and planted weeds. So this is what the cuckoo bed does. It comes and lays its egg, its egg in your nest. And while you are not paying attention, this one hatches and it starts pushing things out of your nest. And you are left with this enormous cuckoo bed. It's not your bed. When it's done, it flies away. It starts its life out there. You think, you know, you were taking care of your child, but you were taking care of the enemy's child. Hallelujah. What we allow into our lives are the things that they are going to push out the things of God in us. Sometimes it may look good, it may look beautiful, it may look pleasing. As the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to men, but its end therefore leads to death. And the Bible says that not a, it's not everything that is good for us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We can say, yes, I'm, you know, I'm permitted to do this, but not everything is good for us. Not everything is right for us. What is it that we are allowing in our lives? Those things are the things that are going to kill, you know, the desire for God in our lives. They are going to kill, you know, our spiritual life. They are going to kill our prayer lives. You know, you, you end up being a shell of a Christian. Yes, you come to church, but there is nothing in you. Yes, you come and you pray, but there is nothing in you. We see a Christian, but there is no Christian inside. Beware of the cuckoo bed. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. The verses that come before that, it says, Let us not be like the people of this world, you know, who are running after material things. God knows that we need them, right? God knows that you need a car. He knows that you need a promotion. He knows that you need a job. He knows that you need a child. He knows that you need marriage. He knows that you need financial breakthrough. But let that not be the main purpose or the main driver in your Christian life. We are not like the people of the world. Therefore, the way we do things, the way we think, should not be like the people of the world. The Bible says we must not be like pagans because pagans, they seek after such. You know, even people who are not born again, they do fast and they pray. Someone will tell you, you know, I had a problem. I went into a three-day fast. But what is it? Like the main purpose of our prayers, what is it? Are we praying because we want to know God? Or are we praying because we want things? You know, sometimes they can call a fast and say, you know, there is a prayer and multitudes of people will come. But check out how many people are coming to say, God, I am coming to your knees. I want to know you. God, I want to learn more from you. God, I want you to reveal yourself to me. Very few people do that. Most of us, we are coming, we are praying, you know, God, I want the car. Lord, I bid. I'm not saying let's not pray for that. But let that not be the main thing that we seek. Why are we praying? Why are you here today? Let me ask that question. Why do you come to church? Why do you come to prayer? What do you want? Whom do you seek? Hallelujah. Do not allow yourself to spend so many years in church and you find that it was all in vain, right? Imagine all the fastings while people were eating and it was just in vain. You know, on Sunday my kids were saying they want to go to this other shop uh, what you call the children that they love. I had to take them, watch them eat, because I can't eat. Imagine that torture for nothing. Hallelujah. Imagine while people are doing their things out there, and you're not doing that. At the end of the day, you find yourself together in the pit of hell. Sure. Um, Today it's my birthday, by the way. And in this year, I would have been born again for oh, 30 years. I'm not going to tell you when did I receive Christ. I was very young. So I'm still young, ne? Yes, I'm, I'm young. Don't think I'm old. I'm young. 
So what I'm saying is, let's not allow all these years to just go to waste. Hallelujah. The benefits of seeking the Lord, Psalm chapter 25, verse 14. The Bible says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. That's another uh, translation. He teaches them his covenant. When we seek the Lord, God comes closer to us. He becomes our friend. He confides in us. He teaches us things. His word becomes revealed in us. You know, when you read the word, you're like, yo, it's like it's for the first time that I read this scripture and I've read it so many years. You know, God confides in us. We walk in, you know, in close relationship with God. God says, I, I, I'm, you know, this is my friend. And God will say, this is a man after my own heart. When we seek the Lord, we get to walk with the Lord. We don't walk on our own. You know, God, you know, he will teach us. He directs our steps. He gives us direction. He teaches us how we ought to live. There will be a difference, you know, in our lives when we walk with the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1 to 3. While Jeremiah was still confined in the courtyard of the God, the Lord gave him this message. This is what the Lord says. The Lord who made the earth, who formed and established it, whose name is the Lord. Ask me, other version says, call unto me, and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. God says, call unto me. I will hear you from heaven. I will reveal things to you. I will show you things. I will reveal myself to you. I will reveal my heart to you. I will reveal my desire to you. Moses said when he was praying, you know, when he was talking to God, when God was saying, I am tired of these people, I am no longer going to walk with them. I will walk with you alone. Moses said, no. If you do not go with us, how will the people know that you are pleased with us? He says, if your very presence does not go with us, do not allow us to leave this place. When we walk with God, his presence will be with us. There will be a difference in our lives. Hallelujah. And may we seek the Lord even when everything is turning against us. The worship team can come to the front. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this is something that I have recently, you know, discovered. You know, when these three men, even Daniel, when they refused to bow to the golden image, it's not that they were in a, in a nice place. They were not in their home. First of all, they were captured as slaves to Babylon. Isn't it Nebuchadnezzar went and, um, you know, he was fighting against Judah and he, he took the Jews to Babylon. That's number one. Number two, they were captured and now they were made slaves. And they, their names were even changed. I think they, they, well, the Hebrew names, is it Belchaba? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the Babylonian names. Number three, these people... When the king captured them, he castrated them. So now you have been captured. You were in a war. The war was lost. You are captured. As, and you know, when they take them as slaves, I believe they were not driven to Babylonia in Lamborghinis. They were walking. They were shamed. And when they get to the place, they shame them even more. They castrate them, meaning that they took away their manhood. Someone will have said, this God, I mean, 
if for them to be able to say we are not going to go, it means these people were rushers. Someone would have said, but I have been rushers, God, but things are not going right in my life. I'm being shamed left, right, and center. When the king said bow, they would have easily bowed and said, but the God that I trusted, he never came through for me. But these ones, they decided in their hearts that they will not defile themselves. Even Daniel, when um, a decree was taken out that nobody should pray to any other God except the king, he was in the same position with them. But he decided, I'm going to seek my God. Whether I'm in Babylon or not, whether I'm a, you know, I, I'm a full man or not, whether my manhood has been taken or not, whether things around me are going right or not, but I am going to seek the Lord. And the Bible says he will pray three times, hallelujah, a day. I want us to stand on our feet. It is the year to seek the Lord. It is time to seek the Lord. What are we praying for? Why are we praying? Why are you fasting? Why? Who do you... What is it that you seek after? Why are you coming to church? Why do you pray? What is it that you seek? Are you seeking after God or you are seeking after the things of the world? How is your heart with God? Is your heart at right standing with God? People church, this is the year to seek the Lord. This is the year to see change in us. This is the year to see change in me. This is the year to seek the Lord. This is the year to walk with the Lord. Let us not be pleased with the numbers and say, Oh, church was full. But when heaven looks at us, he sees, God says, but there was only one person. There is only one person who is Russian. Hallelujah. This is the year to seek the Lord. Hallelujah. It is the year to seek the Lord. What is it that you seek? What is it that you are looking for? When you come to Christ, what is it that you seek? Hallelujah.